Looking for a way to make some quick cash? Well, making money with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love riding my bike around the city, and now I get to do that while getting paid. With DoorDash, I get to pick my own hours and be my own boss. I get paid on my deliveries and keep 100% of my tips. Not to mention the sign-up process was so quick and easy. Guys, I'm telling you, just download the DoorDash driver app and see how easy it is to start earning cash today. Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, Geico has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to Geico. It's obviously a good idea. You're listening to a Brawl Network and Eagles Brawl podcast. I love the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me get a hell yeah! This is the Kelly Green Show. We're a bunch of underdogs. And you know what underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show. I am your host, Football Kelly. This NFL season was one that Eagles fans were especially desperate for. We had been on lockdown for months with the pandemic and we're looking for a fun and exciting distraction. Week to week, we got distractions, but they were rarely fun or exciting. And now the Eagles are clearing out the coaching staff. We've heard from Jeffrey Lurie this past week, but there are still many questions about what the future holds for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm so proud to have the one man who has talked us through the ups and downs of this team for over 40 years on the Kelly Green Show today, Merrill Reese. How are you, Merrill? I am well, Kelly. I am going through the the slings and arrows of, of outrageous fortune this year. It's been a it's been a very very difficult year, and right now I'm engaged in zooming in every day and trying to to figure out what's going on with the next Eagles head coach, who's going to be the coach, which direction they're going. Finally, I pick out a candidate. And say, this looks like a good candidate, and then I find out that he signed with the Jets or he signed with Atlanta. So I don't know where they're going. We're all in the same boat with that. Uh, fan, the fan base is desperate to know what direction we're going to go in the next year. But before we get into the 2020 Eagles and where they're at now, I'd love to talk to you about some of the good stuff. You graduated from Temple University, spent some time in the Navy, went on to become the voice of the Eagles for 44 seasons now. You are the longest serving current play-by-play announcer in the NFL. When you reflect on your career, is there anything specifically you credit your success to? Well, that's a that's a tough question. It really is because I, I think it it has to do with a lot of things. Really, perseverance, passion, uh, the ability to be. But what, you know what? I'll tell you what, Kelly. When my son 
was starting out in his career. After college, he went out to California with the goal of being a film editor. And I said to him with fatherly advice, Nolan, if there is one word that will serve you well, it is resilience. You're going to hear a lot of no's. You're going to have a lot of doors slammed in your face. But just if you want this, if it means everything to you, as it did to me, you pick yourself up and you, you walk around in a fog for two or three days, and then you get right back on your horse and you go charging forward again. So believe me, the way you say went from being a naval officer to uh, college to the Navy and, into, and is now the head that has been in the play-by-play -play voice of the Eagles for this, this will be the next year will be my 45th. I always talk about next year, my 45th, rather than what was. Um, it, it's the fact that early in my career, I was extremely, extremely resilient and had so many doors shut in my face and it and had where I was making next to nothing and, and finally got little opportunities that became bigger opportunities and A moved into B and into C and things started to progress and, and a lot of good fortune. So there were a lot of things involved. And, and I think when I look back over it, the, the prevailing quality I have is a passion for what I'm doing. I would write, and I tell this to young broadcasters all the time when they come out of college and they ask me for advice. I own a radio station up in Bucks County, a managing partner, and I have a lot of interns right out of college or still in college. And I tell them, if you really want this, it, it, number one, it's like finding a needle in a haystack to become a, the play-by-play boys to the NFL team, Major League Baseball team, an NBA team, an NHL team. But it's got to be the single greatest focus of your life until you get to that point. And even then, it's a way of life. It's not a job. It is a way of life that affects everything about my year, everything I do throughout the year. I mean, when we get close to – I'm a passionate golfer, play all the time. But if, if there are two drops of rain during the season, I won't go out there. I won't do anything that could – Give me a cold, affect my voice. I, I know that I have to have a certain amount of sleep every night to function. The day before a game, I won't get on the phone for more than a few minutes because I know the next day I've got to use my voice for four hours and often talk above a crowd. So there, there are so many things that happen that affect your life. It is a way of life, and it's got to be. Now, I'm not talking about family, your wife and your kids and all of that stuff, which all of us have to be very dedicated to. But uh, it's got to be your number one focus. And the dedication is so inspiring. I think that Eagles fans feel like you express and match the way that we feel during a game. I'm curious, what made you fall in love with football enough to pursue your career? Oh, I, I've loved it all my life. Uh, when I was a, a little boy, uh, my father was a dentist and our house was behind the dental office, as many of them were in those days. Doctors and dentists didn't work in office buildings or in, in uh, malls and places where they had separate office buildings. Uh, many of them had their offices attached to the house. And uh, in our living room at the time, we had a great big console radio. <laughs> so that's how long ago that was radio 
And I used to sit there and listen to the pen games, the pen football games, and uh, envision as they were talking. I was, I was, as I'm talking about three, four years old, I would be glued to that radio from the beginning of the game till the end. And then I would grab my football and run into my father's waiting room and ask whoever was sitting there waiting for their dental appointment to have a catch with me. So I, I've loved, I've loved all sports, but, but football has been my, my very favorite from the very, very beginning. And so people say, well, you have your dream job. Is that what you always dreamed of being? No, Kelly, I dreamed of being an NFL quarterback. That's what I was going to be. I was going to be a quarterback. And um, that, that I, I thought of it until I realized that at five eight and one hundred and forty pounds, that that wasn't going to happen. So I picked the next best thing. But I I did have a bit of a background uh, in this that uh, a lot of people don't know, and that uh, my my father was a dentist, my mother was a teacher, and my mother my mother in um, in her college days used to run a little dancing school. She she was a dancer, and she had that little bit of a, a show business. Not a little. She, she, she had that show business drive in her. And as a little kid, she took my sister and I around for, for dancing lessons, singing lessons, dramatic lessons. And at the time, I thought, I, let me get out of this. I just want to go home, put on my old clothes and go roll around in a field chasing footballs or baseballs. And, and that was what I really wanted to do. But I think about that. And then and then she before long, I was doing commercials. I probably did over 100 commercials before I was 10. So she dragged me out there and, and I go, there was a, a Western movie show with a guy by the name of Chuck Wagon Pete in Philadelphia. His name was Pete Boyle. And every Friday night, he would show, they'd show Western movies and then they'd break for commercials. And it was sponsored by a company called Sylvan Seal Milk. And Pete and I would be sitting there doing commercials. I'd have a script to read every every week and then also there was a radio show on sunday mornings called let's pretend and i i did many of them and the dramatic teacher that i had was a woman by the name of may desmond a former actress and what she told my mother was that while the adults in the show would read from the script she felt that she did not want me reading from a script uh, she wanted me memorizing because she thought it would be a lot more natural. So my mom would sit with me in the evening and I would memorize, memorize a 26 page script every week, not every wow. week, but maybe every two or three weeks. I'd sit there and memorize a 26 page script. That's amazing. I've and used so I much of your experience to be who you are today. To my, to my memory. Yeah, because because I can sit there and memorize a fifty three man roster in about fifteen minutes. That's and amazing. Where did that come from? Uh, it came from really honing that portion of my brain uh, as an eight year old or a nine year old. Wow, that is honestly so fascinating. I did not know that at all, and it's uh, truly inspiring that you use so much of what you um, you grew up uh, experiencing and learning from to be the voice of the Eagles that we all know and love today. Um, I'm sure as you touched on it a little earlier that this year has been just as much of a challenge for you as it was for, 
for many fans, um, professionally, I know that you weren't even allowed to be at the away stadiums this year. How, t how difficult was it for you to not be there in person? And can you talk a little bit about what the preparations are to do your job? Which one first? <laughs> how difficult was it to not be at the stadium this year when they were playing away games? You know, it was difficult from a standpoint of uh, the, the feel, the, the fact that you love it so much. The whole process of traveling with the team on Saturday on the team plane and then getting to the hotel and waking up on a Sunday morning nervous because I'm, I'm nervous every game day. I wake up, I can feel my heart pounding, and I'm actually nervous until the time I sit down behind the mic and our producer taps me on the shoulder uh, Joe McPeak, his name is, and says go. So I, I feel those nerves. And then when the, when the microphone goes on and the game begins, it all dissipates. And I feel as if I'm floating for the next three hours or three and a half hours. But uh, that feeling of being at the stadium is something that I love, uh, with, with some exceptions. There's a couple of exceptions. Uh, this year, doing all games remotely, I think that's the first time in ages since Daniel Snyder bought Washington that I've actually seen a Washington game, an away game, because he has us in the corner of the end zone with an overhang where we can hardly see the scoreboard. And when they go past the 50, I can't tell if they pick up six yards or 16 yards. And you really can't use the monitor because it's delayed. Right. So here we are. We're calling everything from a suite at Lincoln Financial Field. And back at WIP, our, our, pro, our, our, the, the, our, our market manager, vice president, a man by the name of David Yagorov, said at the beginning of the season, I want you and Mike to be safe. I, I want you guys to, to be safe. And, and, and we couldn't travel with the team because the NFL said only essential football personnel can go. So we'd have to travel on our own as a few of the broadcast teams actually did, and expose ourselves to commercial travel, Ubers or taxis, restaurants. So we didn't have any of that. We would go to the link on a Sunday morning, and they would actually have six screens for us. Uh, a great big screen, like a 60-inch television screen of the same telecast that you're getting, but in real time, without a delay. Next to that was another 60-inch screen, which gave us what is called the All-22. It was a panoramic view of the field. Um, we had the other, a smaller monitor, which actually gave us the telecast that you're getting with the graphics and in a delay. Then I'm used to having my producer, Joe McPeak, hand me cards, and they're called drop-ins, where I'm reading commercials. Uh, this drive brought to you by the Eagles are in the so-and-so red zone. All of the little things that you hear me read in the course of a broadcast, he hands me five by you know, large cardboard cards. In this case, they were thrown up on another screen to my left. And Terry Small, who's our statistician, usually holds up a great big grid. And it, it just goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, up to about 80. So if somebody returns a punt 18 yards, he points to a box that says 18. Now we've changed, and he has a, I have another screen to my right where the numbers are going up. 
and he no longer holds up signs, I read that to say that the Eagles are three for eight on third down conversions or one for nine, as the case was more likely to be this year. So I, I have that going on. And I have the direct, our producer, Joe McPeak, speaking in my ear. So I'm getting wow. audio through that where Merle, he'll say, Merle, after this play, go to a read or coming away for a break, uh, coming back from the break, go right to the, the commercial for this or that or this and uh, go give the scoreboard. And there's a million things going on in my head and six screens in front of me. But you know what? We got used to it. We got used yeah. to it. And in many cases, we had the best view that we've ever had. But it did, it did come with, with its limitations because there could be a big play. And I'm looking at my screen. And now I've got to be able to and, – and they've got they – you're at the mercy of the television director who's not worrying about us. He's worrying right. about the telecast. So they go to a tight shot of a receiver catching a ball, and I can't tell what yard line they're on because I can't see the yard line. So now I've got to go over and switch to the all-22 screen to see if I can pick up the yard line. And then there's no scoreboard. So I've got to look up to the, the delayed telecast to see what's going on there. So it took a little bit of getting used to, but as professional broadcasters – who um, you, you're able to make the adaptation, you, are, you adapt to it, you, and you, you forge ahead. So, so that was what we did, and we actually had a lot of fun doing it. And also, Mike and I were at least four seats apart, <clears throat> separated by plexiglass. And Bill Werndell, who's my spotter, was separated by plexiglass from me, which I kept telling him was the best thing that ever happened. The next year, we were going to keep him separated by plexiglass, too. And we were all we were all in this big suite, but we were all in a safe social distance uh, with with the plexiglass. So it gave you a, a feeling of safety. I think that was such a smart thing to do, uh, given the situation that we're currently in with the pandemic. So the fact that you had to adapt uh, 44 seasons in, you uh, didn't get to go to the games as you're accustomed to. Um, I'm sure that adjustment took some time, but we honestly didn't really notice the, the change. So you did pretty well. I <laughs> props for having to put up with all of that. But uh, And of course, getting into the stadium, we still had to go through the same screening really? each week where they took our temperature at the door. And this is a this is kind of a it wasn't so funny at the time. I felt great on the last game of the season, uh, which was the Eagles Washington game at the link. We all know how that ended. But yes. um, I parked the car and I walked across the street and uh, it's the same lot across the 13th Street. And it was really raining. So I put a wool snow cap on my head and I was wearing my mask. And I also had a shield, you know, the, the shield masks that we can yeah. have, those visors. So I'm walking across the street with the snow hat, the shield, and a mask. And I get in, and they take my temperature, and it's 102.9. Wow. So I'm, saying, I'm not sick. I feel great. It was the wool hat making you warm. There. Huh? It was probably yeah, wool the, cap the, the wool cap and probably the mask and probably the shield locking in all the heat. So yeah, absolutely. The, I had to sit there for 15 minutes till they would let me in. <laughs> I kept saying, but I feel great. 
I said, if I have a 99 temperature, I feel chills. I said, I feel great. Listen to me. And, you know, finally, they let me in. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so, man. So there were, there were things that popped up like that every week. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I do want to say a sincere thank you to you because so many fans will uh, always talk about your inspiring Super Bowl 52 victory play-by-play. To quote you, you said, the game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. How special was it for you to say those words? Really, really special. You know, um, Paul Domwich did an interview with me going into the game a week before and ended up putting it on the front page of both the Enquirer and the Daily News, and I was really honored. And one of the things he asked me was, Merrill, when that, if that moment, if that moment comes, will you be prepared for it? Will you write something so that you don't have to hunt around? Think about during the week what you would say if the Eagles were to win the Super Bowl. And believe me, uh, a lot of people in this business do that because they want to capture the moment and have it really work out perfectly. And I thought about it and I said to him, you know what? I, I've been doing this long enough. I would just let my, my true emotion come out. And there's a little bit of history to what I said, because for many years, Angelo Cataldi has had me as a guest on the WIP morning show. And he's often said to me, Merrill, you know what? After you've done the games for so many years... I really want this Super Bowl, the Super Bowl win. I want to see you be part of the Super Bowl win with all you've gone through. And I've said this to Angelo, and I'm not being, I'm not just being disingenuous. I'm, I'm being honest. I said, Angelo, that's all well and good. But I, I would never feel, even if they never got one, that my career is incomplete. I said, I've had so many great moments. I've had three miracles in the Meadowlands. I've had great game moments that I'll never forget. I've had Deshaun Jackson returning the punt to beat the Giants as the time was going off the clock. I've had Herman Edwards' miracle in the Meadowlands. I've had Jaworski to quick, 99 yards. I've had, they stopped them again, they stopped them again against the Dallas Cowboys, all those things. I've had everything. I said, but I want the Super Bowl champion championship for the fans because these are the best fans ever. These are the people that take their, their last dollar to buy their kids Eagles jerseys for Christmas. These are the people, some of whom take out second mortgages so they can buy season tickets. These are people who, who really have done so much and sacrificed so much that while I sit up in that broadcast booth. They sit out there in the elements. They're there when the Eagles play Detroit in the snowstorm. They're sitting there. I'm in a booth. I'm not warm. It's wide open. I insist that the glass be removed. But they're the ones getting soaked and, and have icicles hanging down from their ears. I'm not. They are the ones I want the Super Bowl for. So when that moment happened, and I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it, Kelly, and I'm getting a little emotional. When that I'm moment emotional happened, hearing you talk I, about it. I, I, I was not worried before the last throw 
that the Eagles would lose it. I wasn't because in my mind, I knew two things. Number one, it was, it was, it was a long, long throw. And Brady, with all, I know he's the goat and all that, but he doesn't have the great, the strongest arm in the world. He's not Aaron Rodgers, who throws the best Hail Mary I ever saw, where it goes way up and then comes way down. Brady's got to throw with every ounce of his strength to get it there. That's number one. Number two, they weren't down by seven. They were down by eight. So that wouldn't have beaten the Eagles. They needed that and the two-point conversion. Not that it wasn't doable. But what I was worried about is that we were seated in the corner of the end zone at USA Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. And that play was going to take place actually 110 yards away from where I was seated. 110 yards away. And there were going to be multiple people, maybe eight people around that ball. And I was hoping that I could actually see it and hope that I wouldn't be known as the the announcer who who blew the the final call of the Super Bowl. And uh, that's what I were. I was worried about my job, not about the outcome. You're so focused on, boy, do I put my binoculars up? But, But when you put your binoculars up, that's great for a fumble recovery. That's great when they're measuring to see if they picked up a first down. But once the ball's in the air, you're not a TV camera. You've got to follow the whole thing. So I said, no, I won't use my binoculars. And fortunately, Brady goes up the pass and he kind of stumbled before he threw it. And he took the windup and he puts it out there. And I said, as you pointed out, there's he, 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 he goes deep and it is batted around and it is. And fortunately, I saw it hit the ground and I said, incomplete the game is over then i looked up at the clock because who knows there could be a second left or two and i looked up at the clock and lo and behold there were zeros and i said as you so perfectly um, pointed out the eagles philadelphia eagles are super bowl champions um and whatever else i said this one uh, 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 whatever i said uh, philadelphia eagles fans everywhere this is for you and then I thought about Eagles fans who love to celebrate. Let the celebration begin. And then Mike Quick took it from there. But great was, thrill. And then one other thing, so Kelly. Special. My son, Nolan, who has, uh, from the time he was a, uh, a high school student, would work in our broadcast booth uh, as a runner, bringing papers and getting soda and stuff for all of us. And they grew up and then uh, it would, uh, now he's out in Hollywood. He's a producer. Uh, not a producer. He's a, he's a film editor. Uh, he still meets me about four games a year on the road and keeps our statistics. And he, he was the, the first thing I looked at, he, after I yelled, gave that call, he had come from the back of the booth to the front of the booth with, with his hand up in the air and in, in total celebration. And I looked at him and I, I really wanted to cry from all we have been through for the past one, well, Nolan's, Nolan's 38 now. So it's, you know, we, it was father. It was a true, it was the ultimate father and son moment to experience that together. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a special moment for so many families that really bonded over watching the Eagles. So I totally understand what you're saying with that. Um, I'm curious, what was it like for you to see Andy Reid win the Super Bowl last year? I was very, very happy for Andy. Andy's a great guy. He's a wonderful coach. And after all he has been through, oh my goodness, what he has been through personally, let alone professionally, to see him rise from to, to get the, I think, I think even if they hadn't won that, I think he's, he's a Hall of Fame coach. I think he'd Absolutely. be in the Hall of Fame. But, but that was the, that was the crowning, crowning moment. Happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'd feel the same way if Sean McDermott were to win it. I, I, I felt that way several years ago when John Harbaugh won it. I mean, I'd feel, well, maybe not so much because it would be Washington, which I despise. But I do, <laughs> I do have a great relationship that have spent time on the golf course with Ron Rivera. So, um, you know, I, I look around now. Bruce, I know Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay. He was the Temple coach. And yeah. one year, uh, many years ago, when Stan Walters was my color analyst, they would have a scrimmage at the end of spring practice. They called it Cherry and White Day. And one year, Bruce Arians let Stan and I come out to Cherry and White Day and let me call all the plays for the Cherry team. And Stan called all the plays for the White team. So that's the kind of relationship we have with Bruce Arians. Yeah, so cool. Um, I, I know you have so many... Um experiences with the coaches I want to touch base with you on those after the Kelly Green lightning round which is a segment I do with my guests quick questions quick answers a fun way just to break things up for a bit are you ready okay I'm ready I think you're ready I know you're ready all right the funniest Eagles player you've gotten to know over the years boy the funniest player yeah uh, there have been. Uh, you, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to believe. Reggie White. Reggie White would stand at his locker, and do impersonations of Muhammad <laughs> Ali, of Charles Barkley, of me. So, <laughs> Reggie Reggie White, the the ferocious defensive end, was really the funniest of all the Eagles I ever met. He was he was a comedian. That's amazing. Do you have any football fantasy football leagues? No. Don't play it. Okay. Fair don't enough. play it because I don't want anything during a game to interfere with my thought process. I don't I want to be worrying that. about what my wide receiver is doing in Houston. Yeah, I totally respect that. What's one thing people don't know about Mike Quick? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if they know that he is a doting grandfather who just became a grandfather this season and has a precious little granddaughter named, uh, <laughs> named Hayden. That's awesome. Personal preference, Kelly Green or Midnight Green? Kelly Green. I'm going to take that as a sign of approval for my show. Yes. <laughs> uh, favorite hobby to do during the off season? Golf. Okay. Golf, golf, and more golf. Yes. Well, that's a nice way to, to break things up. So I appreciate you doing the Kelly Green lightning round with me. Let's touch a little bit on where this Eagles team finds itself right now. What was your reaction to hearing the news that the Eagles and Doug Peterson parted ways? 
Very unhappy. I, I think the world of Doug, both personally and professionally, I think he's a very, very good coach. And whoever hires him as their next head coach is indeed very fortunate. And I respect that. I think that he's done a lot for this team, this city. So I totally understand where you're coming from with, with that reaction. I think a lot of fans will relate to how you felt as well. Um, you've been exposed, as I had alluded to a little earlier, um, so many Eagles coaching staffs over the years. And the team is currently searching for their next head coach. In your opinion, what is one trait a candidate must possess in order to be successful in Philadelphia? Uh, not to be cliche-ish, because this is, this is how it's described by many people. He has to be a leader of men. I don't care if he comes from the offensive side. I don't care if he comes from the defensive side. None of that matters. People make a big deal about that. It doesn't matter. As long as if he comes from the defensive side, he's got to have a great offensive coordinator and vice versa. But I've seen great coaches come from both sides of the ball, so that doesn't matter. But you want somebody who can capture a locker room. You want somebody who the players like and respect. You want somebody who can organize a staff and have people motivated. It has to be a motivator. But if you want something more than anything else, it's leadership. X's and O's are overrated. And I totally agree with you. I think that is perfectly said. So... You've always had a way of inspiring hope with your words, and I'm hoping you can tell fans one thing they should keep in mind for the future of this team. You know, I, I honestly believe that, that this team has an owner who cares as, as much about winning as any owner in football. Jeffrey Lurie is a really good man. And like any owner, he is under the microscope and he will be criticized for hirings at times and delegation of authority. Does he, does he get involved too much? Should he be involved in more? But deep down, I, I know this is a business, but with Jeffrey Lurie, winning is above all else. He is as passionate as any fan watching the game. And with that, I thank you for some hope for the future. I thank you for coming on to the Kelly Green Show. I appreciate all the fans who are listening to the Kelly Green Show today. Please subscribe to the Eagles Brawl podcast for the future episodes and fly Eagles fly. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.